A random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter, what are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome everyone to The Marvelists New York Comic Con 2021 special edition. Director's cut, uh, what else can we throw in there? Uh, Variant cover. 4K remaster transfer edition. Foiled embossed booby cover. Oh man, I love the 90s too, don't you? (laughs) I'm Peter Melnick and I'm joined alongside the great... Fabian Niciasa. Yes, I am joined with Fabian... No, I'm the only one that can actually pronounce the name properly, it seems. Correct? I, I should have mispronounced it myself. That would have been fun if I mispronounced my own name. And if you know the usual rigmarole of this podcast, you know, check any other episode if you want to find out how you can get a hold of us. You get to hear Eddie Wilson's dulcet or beautiful tones, Dulce. golden tones. Dulcet. There we Dulce. go. This is why you're the writer man Dulce. guy, and I'm just the guy... Do- that- I, I'm pretty sure dulcet's not even a word. <laughs> See, we're already in day two of the con, and we are having a hoot evening. Yeah, just to, just to put it in context, guys, it is late in the afternoon on Friday, day two of the show. That's the point where you start getting a little punchy. And a little, we have hallucinations. I, Do you? I'm, I'm hallucinating that I'm on a podcast right Man, now. Man, I, well, we're in a podcast, not on it. It's not like, you know, we're riding an airplane, on an airplane. Why would you get on an airplane? You're in an airplane. We're stealing George Carlin bits Unless now. you're Indiana Jones, then you're on an airplane. <laughs> So, or William Shatner. He's, he's on top of anything, anytime. Harrison Ford. Well, you know, I met him yesterday, finally. Shatner? Yeah, kind of. Like, I met him at other cons before, but it's just very, like, hi. And that's it. That's so it. That's this one was, hi. I don't think he even remembers me. I worked with the guy for three years. I don't think he even remembers me. <laughs> he was so, like, this whole con has been such an interesting experience already with it being the second day. There are birds in the building, by the way. I don't know if you could just hear not... that just now. That's not a metaphor for anything else. There are birds in the building. Holy shit. They come in through the loading dock doors are open all the time. They come in through the back. Ladies and gentlemen, our very special guest, the uh, red-breasted or the, you know, whatever. Whatever kind of bird it was. It's a titmouse. There's a titmouse. A loose. Exactly. But no, uh, this is... Your first big con back, right? It is. I My last convention was um, early March of 2020 in Mexico City, La Mole. That was when COVID spread was starting to really scare people. Yeah. Uh, while I was away at the show, that's when New Jersey went under its quarantine. Oh, that's so it was really kind of cool. I flew back from the show on Monday, and Newark Airport was almost completely empty. And I rode the train home to my house, and, and the train was almost completely empty. It really felt in a weird way, like uh, I was in an apocalyptic movie, uh, walking through the customs, international customs at Newark was a joke. There was like nothing happening, no one there. Usually, you gotta wait forever. It's so weird. It was like, surreal. It really I, was. I remember, like, it's one of those, like, where it's one of those, where were you when everything started going on? You're in Mexico City. I'm in like, Mexico City. That's yeah, insane. Yeah, yeah. And and. and there was a, a, a blasé lack of concern there that that made me just think, I understand why you feel that way right now, but you're not going to feel that way in a few months if this is what it is. Yeah. And they were a disaster area a few months later, you know? My, my thing is, I remember 
I think I've said it on the show, but again, we're going with the whole Stan Lee theory of everyone. This is everyone's first episode ever. But for me, I remember getting ready to go to the movies, and I was going to see your former company that you worked with, Valiant Comics, introduce their very first ever cinematic endeavor of Bloodshot. And I ended up canceling my ticket, but the ticket was literally two people in the theater. I checked it. I'm just like, well, we'd be fine, but I'm not going to risk it. Yeah. Well, and you're right. Uh, you don't because you, you don't. You, you didn't know what it was. We well, still I mean, don't know Vin some Diesel. of what it is, but no, you it's didn't. Vin Diesel and he's bloodshot. Oh, oh, oh! oh. oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? And like, you know what? What would be worse, watching Vin Diesel and bloodshot, or contracting COVID? We, it it seems down. like the ultimate Kobayashi Maru to me. There's no win there. Come on down to Vin Diesel's Bloodshot the movie. You I have get... not seen that movie yet, and I went... no offense to Kevin Van Hook and Don Perlman, two friends of mine, but I don't plan to see that movie. I bought movie. the Blu-ray the week it came out, and I don't know why, and I remember a friend of mine, yes please? She had told me, you risked a pandemic to go see Bloodshot. <laughs> Yeah, but you gotta. I mean, people, you gotta put you gotta put things in perspective. Yeah. Think about it. How would you feel if you had gotten COVID yeah. while watching Bloodshot? I mean, like, what That's kind like, of a, what kind of an epitaph is that for your gravestone? It's horrific. It reminds me of the people whose last movie they saw before the pandemic was not something good. They saw the movie Cats. They're all oh, okay. There are yeah. people that exist yeah. like that, and I feel so bad for them. I, my last one was Birds of Prey. That was my See, last that's movie good in a theater, and my first one back was Black Widow. So, well, you really are a comic book man through and through. Yeah, I don't see. I don't, <laughs> I don't go to that many movies anymore unless unless it's one of those. I, I watch them at home. I'm an old man. I don't. I don't. It, my wife stopped wanting to go to movies so long ago, and her and I used to go all the time. That. There's some I'll go see on my own, but not that many. It's such a weird thing, though, with how technically, like, the everything going on in the world has changed the delivery mechanisms mm-hmm. of pop culture now. Because now we have, like, for example, the Many Saints of Newark, and yourself as a Jersey boy, you know. I'm watching go- that on TV, baby. Isn't it insane that you can see that day of? A day of on TV. But look, for the same token, though, I went to go see. The new Bond movie on uh, on the IMAX here in Lincoln Center in, I had a uh, in Manhattan. That. The same one. I, what screening time did you almost? Seven go for? o'clock on Wednesday. Son I went. We went. I, could have went to, I could have went to the same screening. As you Kevin McGuire and I went, and I and it was phenomenal. Yeah. It could, because not the movie itself, but the the scope of the 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 cinematic experience on screen is so you can't get that at home unless you're you're Jeff Bezos. You know, you can't because the screen. It was three stories high, and they they filmed it for IMAX. So, like, the entirety, uh, you couldn't even see the bottom of the screen because it dipped down below the people in front. I love the contrast in the two people in this conversation right now where you got to go see James Bond in IMAX, and my stupid ass is going to be going to see Venom for the second time because I get to see it at an Alamo Draft House. Yeah, no, I mean, I like like Alamo Draft House because the beer is good, but... My movie experiences have never been good because I haven't liked any of the movies I've seen when I've gone to Alamo Draft House. I'm literally only going because of the pre-show experience. Like, I want to see, you know, what they're going to do. If they're going to, you know, throw, like, interview footage of, like, you know, Todd going, Canada, baseball, and Venom, you know, whatever. That you're joke like, landed yeah, nowhere. You're gonna, you're gonna, yeah, yeah, no, because... Yeah. Todd's so far removed from Venom right now. I don't, you yeah. know. Um, although a Spawn Venom movie maybe might help both of them. I, I, I am not going to see Venom in the theater because I, the Maybe, first if movie. If you want to see a movie, that's certainly an option. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's Peter. Peter just gave the movie a rave review, let me tell you. Um, I, I was pleasantly surprised by how, I, how innocuously um, agreeable the first one was. I, I thought I was going to hate it, and I didn't hate it. I just thought it was eh. Um, but but this one, I have a gut feeling I would actively dislike, so I'm, I, I don't think I want to go see it. I'm literally, like I said, literally only going for a pre-show and a delightful dinner. That's about it. I don't like humorous comic book characters. I, I want them to all be serious. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the creator of NFL Super Pro. There you go. <laughs> As my friend the bard, Billy Shakespeare, said, because I am a book author now, so I get to hang out with <laughs> other authors like Billy Shakespeare. So what's it like hanging out with him? Um, well, I was hanging out with Bill uh, and Ernie Hemingway and, and Steve King. Uh, he prefers Steve, not Stephen. Um, now, ironically, he wants to go by Curtis uh, Vonnegut. Yeah, yeah. Surprisingly. Yeah, I just we just call him Bonnie. Um, it's been it's been really good. I, I enjoy the company. They're they're a much a much more learned breed than the average comic book writer. And you know, speaking of just writers in general, a few months back, you got to do a. Uh, conversation on a website with a very handsome person wearing glasses. His name was Peter, and I don't know where I'm going with this, you know, self-fulfilling introduction of myself for this, but I... Uh, I swing and a miss again. I remember... I remember a podcaster. I don't even... Who can keep yeah, track some anymore? Some guy with glasses. I don't... Really you, good you glasses, did, though. You really did narrow down every single podcaster, though. Just a heads up. That really is. Like, <laughs> so a white guy with glasses and brown hair. Congratulations. You know But who you got is. good hair. You got a good Thank head you. of hair. Thank Not you. all podcasters have good heads of hair. That is... That's... You know. You're, what can you do? You're working, you're working a, good mop, a good mop on top there, uh, my friend. Enjoy it while you have it. I don't know if you can see it, ladies and gentlemen, but the audio podcast, I swashed my hair back. He flipped. With, there we go. He, yes. did, he did the hair flip. But, you know. Wait, I'm going to do one too. So, <laughs> some, some loose, jowly skin just fluttered. <laughs> where are we going with this, Peter? What is this about? Where do we go from here now that all of the children are growing up? And where do we spend our lives now that there's no one to lend us a hand? What song was that? I forgot Alan Parsons what song. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And ladies yeah. and gentlemen, if you've listened to the show long enough, you know... Synthesizers galore, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've listened to the show long enough, you know I haven't shoehorned in a reference to that song in quite a while. But here we are. And there you are, listening at home while we're at New York Comic Con. But technically, we're time travelers now because we're in the future and no longer there. Ooh. We are. We're not, we're not where... We're not where... The, we say we are when they're there where they are. We're like ghosts. Audio ghosts. Temporal, think about ghosts. Temporal ghosts. You're thinking about it? I'm thinking about being a time ghost. I think it's kind of cool. That would make a good like that make a good profession. Time ghost, you have the business cards. Yeah. How do you pull that off. I, I yeah, you know what? Writing time travel stories is a pain in the yeah, freaking ass. So I don't <laughs> Can I just write more murder mysteries set in the suburbs? Because I really don't want to write a time travel story at this point in my life. I've always said, like, you know, and you have to do it when you've done stuff at Marvel with the X-Men with time travel. I pity you guys with the continuity shit because I'm just like, oh, you have to do it. Well, what about on panel number five? The thing is that no matter how hard you work to try to make it work, someone else will F it up a month later. You know, conversely, no matter how hard you try to make it work, 
doesn't mean that you missed one thing that you yourself F up what you just did, yeah. making someone else's life harder a month later. So it, it's it's such a no-win scenario, time travel stories, that I, I, I really... I, I, the last one I did was a Cable Deadpool split second, which was a digital miniseries with Riley. And, and Riley wanted to really do that time travel stuff because he wanted to take advantage of the scrolling format. And, and it was a real pain in the butt. It really was. So I think I've asked you in the past about that issue, too. But like, you Or know, the future. Because <laughs> when they you. hear this, it'll be the future. <laughs> I mean, technically, you know, the audience can choose their own direction with listening. Or they can listen to this, then they can listen to a random episode where we talk Iron Man 2, and they're yeah. just like, hey, listen, let's listen to uh, them talk to a guy who uh, dressed up in a costume. Look at him go. But Actually, there's been a lot less cosplayers. I've noticed... That my thing, though, is with the trends, though, at the show this year, the WandaVision stuff is the most prevalent. Oh, I've seen a few. And, like, I had a yeah. conversation. I'm just like, this is going to be the thing. How many, you know, Loki's to and the variants, which yeah. I think is a neat concept, you know? Yeah, and it makes for easy some easy cosplay stuff. I got to talk to a guy dressed up as Daredevil the other day, and, like, he's like... Uh, he was li- being so hard on himself, and I'm just listening to him, and he's like... Uh, my stomach's sticking out a little. Is it that noticeable? I'm like, dude, you're a variant. Just shut up. <laughs> hey, a lot of our stomachs are sticking out a little bit because of COVID, damn exactly. it. Exactly. So, you know, I'm, I'm in the same boat. And it's just like, and, you know, the boat sunk a little, but it's like, yeah. you know, it's, it's still... It's, <laughs> the, boat's, the boat's listing if we all go to one side. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you know, hey, hey, whatever. Whatever, yeah, whatever. Just, yeah. But it's um, just funny. I swear, I'll try to lose some weight. I promise I will. It's just so funny with, you know, the reliance on the cosplay for those, like the WandaVision. There's a little bit of Loki, well, a lot of bit of Loki, in my opinion, too, but not so much Falcon and Winter Soldier. No. I've seen a couple what-ifs. Oh, really? Already? I I saw a Watcher. It was Watcher, Agent Carter, T'Charlord, as I lovingly call him, with a hyphen in there. Oh, is that what they're doing? I'm calling him that. Oh, okay. Um, and so it's not they that are doing it. Well, it's just it. You're me. The, I'm the, the royal they. So you, yeah. So when you're basically attributing something to the general masses that you yourself coined, everyone but is co- it, it's just self-validation for you. That's everyone all it calls, is. Well, everyone calls him Brothor. I call him Dad Bod for because he has Dad Bod, and you know it's. Wait, it's, no, Brothor doesn't have Dad Bod from What If because Brothor's a young. No, 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 not that. Oh, oh, oh you're talking the, about with oh, okay. the beard, and he's like, "Hello, I'm gonna play video games." Okay. For Sooth, but you know it's yeah I don't know it's very cool to see that but there's such a uh, disparity in between it or is that the word to use like a difference you know like not many people are doing anything else other than one division yeah what if it's like and I haven't I haven't had a chance to walk around enough to see the variety but from my stationary vantage point in the back left corner of Artist Alley where I always am you really um, are we my my friend Matt and I had a conversation about these like. He's always in the same spot. He lucked out. No, that's where... It's you, smart. You know why? It, it, um, it, because I've had usually, not this show because the attendance is lower, thankfully, <laughs> um, I've usually had a line of like 20 people and they you don't want to block the aisles or clog up the aisles. What happened is about five years ago, um, they put me in the middle of an aisle in, in, in a cross section and oh the line got so long that it literally they needed eight volunteers to make sure that they, the line wasn't blocking 
subsequent aisles. Well, did you because see, it was like 20 people on limit. You can only fit five people per, per width of a table, you know? Did you see uh, James Tinian's line? Yes, I was right in front of my face. It was of Nicias Proportions. Do you know it stretched all the way down to here? It was of Nicias Proportions. It was, it was, it was a little, even, I, I look, I'll give James all the credit in the world. It was a little more than Nicias Proportions. Well, I got to, you know? I, I borderline cut the line just to ask him a question because I wanted to know. And I asked him, I asked him, what is killing the children? And what did he say? He thinks it's monsters. He, he thinks. Said, he thinks. He thinks it's monsters. I haven't read that book yet, but it's on my queue to read. I want to read it. I'm eventually going to give it a, you know, thumb through. Okay. Know? I'm like Eddie on the show, except, you know, instead of reading like random, uh, hey, I'm going to read Frankenstein's Monster this week, followed by, oh, I don't know, uh, what's a random Marvel title from the 80s? Oh, he read... Power U Pack. He read U.S. Trucker. The, the USA, trucker US, USA... No, wait, what was it called? U.S. One. Yeah, he was reading that US randomly one. one day. I'm like, Eddie, why are you reading that? You haven't read, you know, Watchmen or The Dark Knight Returns, but you're reading U.S. One. It, it's just cool because, like, on our show as well, and I'd like to get a recommendation from you for him for a future month, we're doing uh, our side podcast called You Haven't Read That, and there's a lot of books Eddie Wilson has never read. For example, um, he's never read Watchmen. He's never read Dark Knight. He's read them now. He's going to be reading uh, Walking Dead and Marvel Zombies because it's spooky season. All right, you know? based on based on the, the the things you're telling me where his taste runs, um, which is toward the slightly eccentric rather than the self-validating, self-important comics to read, um, I would strongly recommend that he read a very short run of a Marvel title that was published in the mid-70s called Skull the Slayer. You will, you will watch a book that probably had an idea of what it wanted to be derail so quickly and have multiple writers and multiple artists on a seven or eight issue run of a book um, that it is worth reading just to watch it kind of train wreck itself. I'm, Skull, S-K-U-L-L, The Slayer. I wonder if it's on Marvel Unlimited, because I'm going to check that I out. I have no idea. Because I might give that a thumb through tonight myself. I've never even heard if of it. If you're on Marvel Unlimited, though, soon you'll be able to read a new Fabian Nuciessa story that they haven't announced yet, and I'm sick and tired of waiting for them to announce it, because I wrote it almost a year ago. Um, Is it going to be one of the Infinite Comics? It might be, but I can't say, because they haven't announced it. Wow. Yeah, because like there's some cool stuff that they're dropping on there. Like they have a Jeff the Land Shark comic. I'm like, uh, okay, it's cute. It's adorable. He's a little land shark. He's a shark on the land. You don't get those things. <laughs> His feetsies, they're so tiny. I, I think that um, they, they paid attention that, that Webtoons is driving real numbers on their platform. Yeah, they sure are. And they're driving real numbers of a younger demographic on their platform. So they finally caught a clue. Uh, and, and many people have been telling them for quite a while that, that you, you should be doing vertical scroll on your phone or iPad, um, and, I, and they're finally doing it. I was reading through it, and I'll be completely honest. I love the concept. I did it with Webtoon with you yours. You the format. You yeah, like it. That too. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, like, I loved how it was done and just how it works. It, it is, um, for a kind of storytelling, it is really, really liberating and fun. Yeah. Um, for traditional comic book storytelling, it, it is not as much. So you really have to, you have to put your ego at the door in terms of how you think it, it works traditionally because it won't work that way on a vertical scroll. Yeah. Um, it, it, Brian Hitch will not be able to give you beautiful widescreen comics on a vertical scroll format. You know, um, it, it's really conducive 
which is why it's a fun writer's medium. It's really conducive to talking heads and banter. Yeah. Um, it's really good for back and forth scrolling with, with people talking to each other. Um, and, and artists who understand that get into it because they, they have fun drawing the, the faces and it's quite frankly a lot less they have to draw per panel. No so you can, you, can, you can knock out 30 panels a lot more quickly if 12 of them are talking heads. See now all I'm imagining with that format, like he wasn't around now to see this stuff, but could you imagine like a Jack Kirby thing with him doing those kind of comics? I think Jack would struggle tremendously with that because Jack, Jack was landscape, not portrait for the most part. Yeah. And like, you can't do a successful landscape on, on a vertical scroll. But I think his like output would have been insanely like he would have gotten out even more. He would have had like ten years worth of content and like oh, and after. Well, there's that. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, getting. Yeah. But I mean, I, I'm reading a, I'm reading his original Eternals run right now on my iPad, and it's think? a small iPad screen. And I, I remember reading the original comics. This is the first time I've looked at it in a long time, and I'm going, wow, boy, this small iPad screen is not doing Jack any favors because Jack has to be giant. Yeah, you know? I agree. With Jack has to be giant. Jack, Jack was giant, so his, 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 his imagination was giant and his imagery was giant, so that's the kind of thing. You know where Jack works best? I did a podcast, and I'm sorry I have cheated on you. I did a, I did a sorry, podcast I recently, um, which is like a one-shot with Adam Phillips. He used to be at DC. It's a one-shot podcast. We talk for an hour or more about one book. And the one we picked was um, the Captain America Treasury Edition from 1976, wow. which was Jack yeah. Kirby in a Treasury Edition format. So between that and 2001 Space Odyssey that I Jack got also that. did, the, it, it, I, 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 I am now of an age where I can kind of um, dismiss the things about Jack's writing that annoyed me because I'm, I'm so just like enraptured by the scope and scale of the imagery. So that's the format. And they don't make iPad screens big enough Even the <laughs> for the Pro Treasury is still Edition. Not that big for that, because I have a Pro for the iPad. No, 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 no. You need, you need, a, a, you need to, to have like a your regular big screen like TV. A, cook, like a cooking sheet or a cookie sheet. A cookie. You need a baking sheet. You need a baking sheet with a screen on it. <laughs> There's just something about like that stuff, and it's funny because like looking at all the output from Marvel in regards to their repr- uh, the reprints and whatnot. I know you as the guy who loves the Masterworks, and you recently got your hands, I believe, on the Howard the Duck one? Uh, no, because I read it in an essentials format that I found in my basement, and I forgot I had it. So, before, like, literally three months before they announced the Howard Masterworks, I'd already read through the essentials format in That's black and white. And I hadn't read a lot of that original stuff, because I didn't read a lot of Howard it back then. It holds up incredibly um, well. Yeah, it does, it does. It's got a lot of great ideas in it. Um, but my problem with Gerber, even back then, and, and still now, now is that he, he rarely really cleanly tied anything up. Yeah. <laughs> it just sort of it just sort of it, it went in really fascinating directions and then it just sort of tied itself around those directions. You know? Um, well, remember Elf with the Gun. Yes. Well that's one of the yeah and Omega the Unknown and all Oof. there's a lot of his work that that was full of really wonderfully chaotic and anarchistic ideas but it didn't really have an ending, and I, I heard from a lot of people that he didn't necessarily write with an ending in mind. He just wrote whatever he felt like writing that month. It's funny though because like his Howard the Duck uh, Max series that he did is one of the darkest things you'll ever read. I didn't it's read so, it. It's chaotic. It's dark. It's perverted. Like there's so much weird stuff, and it's like Marvel gave him the opportunity. Said, "Hey, go all out. We don't care." 
and he did it and it's like there's things in there that you would not expect in a Marvel but is it good that's the key compared to what his other stuff is not really but if you put it as a standalone thing I would say so but there's like he does things the Howard the Duck magazine did that he wasn't involved with and it's like oh oh you're continuing that why would you do that I've rarely found myself to enjoy the work when creators are are quote unquote given unlimited freedom to do what they want to do because nine times out of ten especially if they're doing it on an established character they're not servicing the story world that character exists in they're servicing their own ego and rarely does that ever produce a comic that 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 fires on all cylinders for me you know um, so that, that's why I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of like the concept of yes do whatever you want because that's presuming that everything a writer or an artist wants to do is inherently good just because they want to do it yeah. and they haven't had a chance to do it before no that doesn't make any sense at all you know it really doesn't but what's really interesting go back over to the masterwork stuff and just the unlimited potential of what you can do with those books just bringing everything back in that format. What are some of the ones that you want to see yourself get that treatment? Of stuff I've written or just in general? Why not both? All right. Uh, in general, I've asked the editor of the Marvel Masterworks program and never gotten a good answer why they have not done a 70s Guardians of the Galaxy Masterwork. Uh, the run by, um, by Gerber and Roger Stern and Alan Milgram had some really good stuff in it, and there was plenty of ancillary issues where the Guardians appeared in that you can get a whole Masterworks out of that. Uh, I had asked them if they were going to do a third Ant-Man volume because I never got the 70s um, Marvel feature Ant-Man run that uh, Herb Tempe had done, done where, he was, where he was trapped in a small size hang pen. Um, I'd never gotten that before um, and never read any of those issues and basically for me I wanted to read them and they did do one of that there was a third Ant-Man volume they also included the original Marvel premiere of uh, Scott Lang which I have the original issues from when they came out because that was back when I was in a a John Byrne and Bob Layton can do no wrong phase Um, so anything they did I picked up I was a burn victim back then yes then I was a burn victim as a creator but that's a whole nother matter um (laughs) Of my stuff, um, I mean, of course, NFL Super Pro should get the oh, master I mean, treatment. Obviously. Of course, I think an omnibus. Um, um, yes, <laughs> the biggest omnibus with the most blank pages. In it. Um, no, clearly, obviously, only my answer really is I want to see a new Warriors Marvel Masterworks. Uh, I would love to I'd see like um, the, my, the first fifty-three issues uh, co- collected. I don't care about the other ones. I don't care about Evan. <laughs> Would you do... Evan, Evan Skolnick's my good friend. I don't care if his run gets collected in Masterworks. Patrick Zerker's a really good friend and co-worker of mine, and he drew the book after I left. I don't care if his Masterworks gets done. I just want my issues to be done. And it's funny because like I hear so many people bring up your run of New Warriors repeatedly, and it's like one of those... New Warriors is on par with a lot of you know fans around my age with Teen Titans. Yeah, I've because it, it was it, it was not. And we've talked about it before. It was not Marvel's best-selling title, but it was a good-selling title. It had a really loyal, strong, solid audience yeah. that that because it was so loyal and and because they thought of it as their book. It, it, that book was the one where. Anyone who was, anyone who got it was in on it. We knew. I knew creatively. Mark and I knew creatively that we were doing something good. The readers knew. 
anyone who wasn't reading it thought it was stupid or dumb or a bad book because they thought it was gonna be, not because they actually read what it was, you know? So you had to be buying it and, and, and sales increased because of word of mouth. Simple yeah. as that. People saying, this is really good, you should check it out, we really like it. And those are 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds. So oh, they're kids, what do they know? And well, they're the taste you know what? The kids are the ones who usually do know because they're usually the ones who, who back then anyway, not now, but back then they were the ones who jumped on the bandwagon and started getting, making things cool. And they want to get in on something yeah. fun. And they did. They With New Warriors, they did. So that's why you should get a Masterworks treatment, damn it. But they're still exactly. so far away from the early 90s. I mean, they're just doing early 80s stuff now. It's it's weird seeing like a Masterworks of like, what's it called? Anything like... Brother Voodoo! The fact, I, they did What's that. the deal? They did a Brother Voodoo Marvel Masterworks. Aren't they doing also the epic collections of Brother Voodoo? Because I swear I've seen that. No, really? Like on the slate. Really? Yeah. There aren't enough issues. Brother Voodoo, they had to fill the Brother Voodoo Marvel Masterworks with a whole bunch of Marvel team-ups and Marvel 2-in-1s and guest yeah. appearances and other books. That's yeah, the second it was time like I've seven, heard. There was like six issues of Brother Voodoo. Do you think down the line he's going to get like the Moon Knight treatment where he becomes the underground favorite? I can't imagine, no. And by the way, what do you think about seeing like, Moon Knight get up there as a character that people are I, I, I'm, to? I'm, I'm a little trepidatious about it because I'm an original Doug Mensch, Bill Sienkiewicz, Moon Knight guy. I bought the original uh, magazines that the character appeared in. I bought the original comic as it came out. Um, it was very unique to what it was as a book. Yeah. And I don't think anyone since then at all has gotten what Doug and Bill were doing. Yeah. I think that to this day, and the version that's going to be on TV, I'm sure is going to be the same thing, um, the whole schizophrenic, multiple personality, Egyptian god, dead, dead blah, blah, blah. I think it's going to be the 2006 uh, run. I think, may, I don't know. That's I, what I, I see. I, I can't even keep track of who wrote what. I've just read a bunch of different versions on, on, on digital. Um, and I'm not, I, don't like, I don't like any of them because the character was simply supposed to be a different version of Batman. And yeah. that's not what he is anymore. And like the one that, like it's funny because the character has also gotten popular because of memes. The fact that a meme helped escalate a character. Have you seen the Dracula thing? No, but have you heard of a character called Deadpool? <laughs> I, no. That's how that happened. Wait, Deadpool, Deadpool. Is, isn't that by uh, R. Crumb? Yes, yeah. Okay. And, and, oh, and then he kept on trucking. Yeah, and he appears on the Titans show on, on, on HBO Max, so yeah. But it's just so odd, you know, seeing these characters and they get that reaction from an audience. Like like I said, you know, friends of the show Moon Knight Core, they made this version. They took him and like they go, I know you're here, Dracula, you big effing nerd, where's my goddamn money? And it's like that became a thing. Really? And well, like it's good. Jim, look, Jim McCain knows about if it. If you if if a younger or a newer audience appropriates a character, uh, based on what they find interesting, whether it's made up or whether it's really in the books itself. Uh, to me, that's fine. Um, it, I, I'm always pretty comfortable with that because it doesn't mitigate or violate what I read that I liked. And I'm not one of those man-boy nerds that thinks that what you read has to be what I read and what you like has to be what I liked, even if it's the same character. You my, know? my go-to one that I've always gone with is I went to a comic shop one day and this proto-nerd walks up, all 17 feet of this guy. He's really tall. But he walks up, he sees me buying a Gwenpool book. And it's, I think, issue number two, and he goes, ugh, Gwenpool? I didn't even know they're still making that. I'm like, dude, it's on issue two. And I go, well, I enjoy what I like. 
And it's like, don't dismiss someone for what they like. You know, it's so silly. That tall person wasn't Jim Shooter, was it? You know, I saw him this weekend. <laughs> All 85 feet of him. <laughs> so, so I, 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 yeah, and I, I'm, I, I'm kind of well past it now. I, I, I was angry about Angry Man Boys a couple of years ago, but yeah. now I just find them kind of sweet and entertaining um, in a condescending way. Yeah. Um, and I treat them that way. So if I deal with any at my booth, I'm, I'm incredibly dismissive of them and, and makes, belittling of them. That's funny to watch, know that there are people that still do that. They, that they have the testicular fortitude to walk up to someone and be like, I'm going to bash your work in front of you. Like that's, that's disrespectful. Oh, it's not even bashing my work. The thing about Man Boys that I love is that they loved my work when I, they were younger because they were 12 years old, so they were reading X-Force. Yeah. It's their attitudes now that are completely flawed, yeah. and, and that's what I find entertaining. So I flummox many of them because they don't want to hate me. Um, because I'm, I'm a part of their cherished X-Men nerddom, you know? Um, but the truth of the matter is is that, that I, I despise the very ground they walk on if they have ignorant, ill-tempered, immature views. That's yeah. all, you know? And, and those that do deserve the scorn. Yeah, agreed. I'm done. I'm, I, I'm, COVID has made me incredibly done with the ignorant. I am, I am done trying to appease them, trying to sympathize with them, trying to, trying to hold their hand and guide them to some level of enlightenment. Screw them. The hell with them. I'm yeah. done with them. And I mean, honestly, like just the idea of being mean to someone because they, you know, or the person, I don't know, it's just Because so they like what they like yeah. or because... They like something that is now different than what you liked. Yeah. Or because they have boobs. God forbid, all of those reasons. Oh, that's you know? the, those are the fun ones. Yeah. Those are, it's just like the, Look, the whole yeah. testing of someone's knowledge. I'm like. In 1991, I was editing Barbie comics, and a comic shop retailer said to me, We don't want girls in our store. And I said, You're willing to eliminate half of the human population from purchasing product in your store. Yeah. That's a pretty smart retail move, you know? And yeah. that's the attitude some of these guys still have. That, that they don't want <laughs> girls in their store. Yeah. And it's funny because like I again I know a lot of, you know, comic shops where female employees are there and they have to deal with like that gatekeeping bullshit. You know, it's yeah it's annoying. And constant mansplaining about the characters. Uh, only, there's only, so many stories. Only writers you. should be allowed to mansplain. Anyone? <laughs> because that's called a panel description. <laughs> because that's what, the, yes, that, that's our job, is to mansplain to you what we're writing. But it's just so funny when it comes to just the comic industry in general with that whole element. And yeah. Yeah. It is. <sighs> I don't know. That's what makes this fun. So I think that's going to wrap this episode up. But let's end it on a fluffy duck kind of note. Okay. So, Fabian, you got a new book out. You've discussed it before. Let's talk about it again. Suburban Dicks is on sale now at anywhere you buy books. Uh, bookstores or that Amazon-y place or anywhere. Um, and it is selling pretty darn good. Uh, not bestseller levels, but it, everyone says they're incredibly happy with how it's selling. The reviews have been excellent. The ratings on Goodreads and Amazon have been excellent. Um, very few one-star reviews, and, and I don't take what they say, you know, to have any real value whatsoever because they gave it a one-star review. Um, but uh, Suburban Dicks is a... 33-year-old, should-have-been FBI profiler who is pregnant with her fifth child, teaming up with 
the brother of an old boyfriend who is a, a fallen journalist who won a Pulitzer Prize in college and now works for a weekly suburban newspaper, and they try to solve the murder of a gas station attendant in West Windsor, New Jersey. Um, and uh, it is a suburban comedy tragedy murder mystery. Um, and and uh, I'm pretty happy with how it's doing. I'm excited to see the second book come out next year. Next summer, my second book comes out. I'm not allowed to say the title yet, although we have a title and we have Might a cover. Have swear words in it? No swearing. There will be swearing in it. Good. A lot less peeing, though. I, I was told I have too much peeing in the first book, and they were 100% right. I did. So I, I guarantee the second book has like 80% less peeing. Ladies and gentlemen, insert your own R. Kelly joke here. <laughs> Unless you like pee, in which case then you'll love suburban dicks. The suburban dicks were were, were peeing too much, um, so they. Pee. At least you're hydrated. You guys hydrated? They, they, well, Good. in the second book, she's pregnant in the first book, so of course she's gonna have a baby. So in the second book, the baby's peeing a lot, but the other characters are not. So I tried to mitigate it that way. I, I believe it's holistic, realistic peeing, though. I don't think it's just peeing for the sake of peeing. Remember when I said it was a fluffy duck ending? Is that is the duck yellow because... Yes, okay. it is, and this is sure. what we're doing right now. It is a little rubber ducky yellow <laughs> in a pee-filled bathtub. <laughs> and on that note, ladies and germs... <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Fabian Nicieza. Fabian, how can people get a hold of you on social media? Uh, on Twitter, at, at Fabian Nicieza, or you can always uh, reach me through my website, uh, my author website, which, which is, is nice, by Fabian Nicieza.com. You can always uh, send me an email through that. Uh, and those are usually the two quickest, best ways to get me. For The Marvelous, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Fabian Nisiesa. Excelsior and so forth. New York Comic Con Edition 4K Remaster 2K www. I don't care. Hasta lumbagos, everyone.